Amen. You guys have a seat. Awesome morning this morning, all morning long. Uh, last Sunday, we were talking about do not be anxious. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, the words from the hill, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And I love it because Jesus does not tiptoe around. He doesn't dance around the things that you and I struggle with. Um, He deals with anxiety. He deals with worry. He deals with lust. He deals with anger. He deals with all those issues of the heart. Uh, And last Sunday, I'm not going to show you these pictures, but last Sunday uh, we showed you the picture of Bora Bora to kind of get your mind relaxed and to be worry-free. And uh, one of the guys here in the church sent me a text after church, and he had taken notes, and at the top of his notes it said, Words from the Hill Bowers. Action step basically was what it was titled next. And it said, book trip to Bora Bora. And my reply was, book for four. All right? So if you're going, I'm going with you. Uh, But I love that Jesus takes these issues and he goes straight at them. And please, as we're walking through this this morning, remember, this sermon takes place for multiple chapters. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. All of these chapters are part of one message that Jesus is laying a foundation for kingdom builders. He's laying a message for kingdom builders to say, I am going to pass away. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be placed in a tomb. On the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to conquer sin and death. I'm going to ascend into heaven. Then I'm going to give you a purpose and a mission. And you are going to need to know what I'm telling you now. This was before all that happened. You need to know now what's going, what you're going to need to impact this world. So read through this, not simply as Jesus examining our hearts and our minds and our motives, because he is, but examine this through the idea that Jesus is launching us, and these are ways for us to be most effective in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is really part of learning how to share your faith. It's learning how to live. And so today, we are going to jump into chapter 7, verse 1, with one of the most misquoted and misinterpreted scriptures. People from the world quote it that never come into church, that have never been in the church. They know this verse. They don't know where it came from. They don't know how they got it. You've heard people that are living so far from the Lord throw this verse back towards you, towards the church. And here's what the verse says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Some make it even easier. Judge not lest you be judged. Judge not unless somebody else is going to judge you. Now here's what would be so easy. If Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 was all that there was to chapter 7, it'd be really easy. It'd be really easy because here's what we could keep on doing. We could keep on making statements like this. If Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 was all that there is, we could keep saying things like this. Well, who am I to judge? Right? I mean, who am I to judge? I mean, I've got my own issues. I can't say much. I've got my own sin. I've got my own faults. So according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, from Jesus, who am I to judge lest I be judged? Who am I to judge? That's incomplete. Please know, when we take this first verse and we pull it out of the Sermon on the Mount and we throw it back, We are not teaching the completion of Matthew 7, 1 through 5, this whole idea about judging others. We can keep on saying things like this. If Matthew 7, 1 was the end, we could say, well, I got my own problems. I got my own issues. I I can't deal with somebody else's issues. 
Or we could even say, we could keep saying this. Stop being judgmental. Everyone is different. Everybody lives life the way they want to live it, how they want to live it. This is a staple statement of our world, inside the church and outside the church. Stop being judgmental. Everybody is different. Now, it doesn't take long to figure out that everybody's different. I mean, look around you. We know that. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different background. Everybody has a different story. This is a statement that those who have never stepped into church throw back at the church. And they say, oh, judge not lest you be judged. Everybody's different. To, to each his own. And while we want to hold on to that, please know that is incomplete teaching. It's misquoting and pulling one verse out to build an entire philosophy in our minds of saying, you know, pastor, who am I to judge? Who's the, why am I the boss of somebody else? I'll just let them live life. I'll do what they want to. Judge not lest you be judged. Be easy if it ended right there. But why do we judge people? Why, why do we look down? The word judge that I'm using for the definition is this. It is to form an opinion or conclude something about someone or something. To form an opinion, to look down upon, to form an idea about someone or something. So why do we judge other people? Man, let's just be honest. It makes me feel better about myself. If I can judge someone else, if I can look down on their life, then it makes me feel a whole lot easier about the pitfalls in my life. It also makes me, it's a lot easier to point out the sins. One of the reasons we judge is because it's easier to point out the sins of somebody else than it is to do something about my own. I mean, you know, to look at a distance, go, oh, I would have never done that. Right? I I mean, I've got my own, but I I would have never gone there. But the number one reason I think most of us judge is why? Because we're just jealous. We're jealous. We're envious at times in our lives. We, we ask, well, well how did they get to do that? Well, how can they afford to go on that vacation? How did they afford that new car they saw driving up in the church parking lot? Why, who do they think they are, right? It's just out of jealousy. We may say something. Ladies, you may say, I can't believe she wore that. What might be behind it is that she looks better in it than you would have. Like, Right? I mean, that, that's, that's the behind the scenes. That's not what you want to say or can say, but that's what you want to say. Or it may sound like this. I can't believe that he got that job over me. Maybe they're more qualified. Maybe they've been working harder. Maybe they haven't. Maybe we need the refresher that we live in a broken, sinful world and things don't work out, to be fair. We're just jealous at times. I am. And so when I'm, I'm sharing this with you, I want you to know this has been a wrestling match this week um, with this passive scripture uh, I, I've edited the sermon Thursday. I've edited it yet last night. I edited it this morning. I'm editing it as we go, all right? It's just a constant um, target, moving target as we go through this. So let's look and see what was Jesus saying? If it's not judge not lest you be judged, keep my hands off. What is he say? What does he teach? All right, judge not that you be not judged. Verse two, for the judgment you pronounced, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This isn't confusing from Jesus. If you want to be the judge, fine. Just know that they're going to judge you. And if you want to be harsh and critical and find the fault in every person, then just know that's the judgment that's coming back towards you. If we become critical in nature, defensive, 
Every time we see something going well in someone's life, we look and we search, we find a negative, or we, we hear that there's sin in their lives or a difficulty, and we say, man, give me all the details. I, I want to know everything I can get to know so that I can really judge, so I can really spread this out, so I can be very critical about something going on in someone else's life. But Jesus says, listen, if that's the hat you want to put on, then when you wear it, Whatever measure you dish out, it's coming right back to you. Last night, Emily and I were walking through this message, and I was talking uh, to her. Uh, I wasn't preaching the message at her, right? We were just talking through it. It's the joys of being a preacher's wife, all right? It's just a, it's how your Saturday nights are, right? It's a party. And, uh, and so I was talking through it, and she said, there was a sermon. I couldn't remember exactly who said it. And he said this, we judge others by their actions but we judge ourselves by our intentions. See, it's true. We look out and we say, oh, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they would go there. I can't believe they would say that. But in our heart we go, but now I, I, I know if I was in that, that moment that I, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would not make that. St- I wouldn't wear that. I wouldn't. We judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intention. Paul says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So you're going, well, pastor, so far Jesus is saying, let people live the life the way they want to live it. Judge not, lest you be judged. Don't judge them because it's coming back upon you. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? So all the way through verse 4, you're going, Pastor, Jesus is saying, don't, don't judge other people. Figure out what's going on in your own life. You got your own problems. John Bloom said this. Uh, he said, we are quick to take tweezers to someone else's eye, eyes while we need a forklift for our own. There's heavy lifting that needs to happen in our lives. So as we walk through this, as we form a complete picture, one of the reasons that we raise the flag and say, don't judge because I don't want to be judged is because of this verse. And we say, Pastor, I got my own issues. I mean, Jesus said, I I got this log. I I I got this problem. I got this sinful behavior. I got this issue. And I can't talk to someone else about theirs because I got my own. But Jesus didn't stop talking about this yet. Jesus did not end there. Jesus, in fact, continued. And here's what he said, verse 5. He said, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do you notice something here? Verse 1 through 4, Jesus is saying, don't do this, but then he comes to verse 5 and he says, but you do need to be a part of this. Jesus does not say and end at verse 4 and just go, ah, you know what, just do whatever you want to do. Your kids grow up and you say, oh, you know, they're grown adults, just let them have it. He says, verse 1 through 4, He acknowledges the problem. 
He acknowledges judgment. He acknowledges there's critical spirit, wrong spirit. But then in verse 5, he, he gives us action. He does not allow us to stay there. And he says in verse 5, first, take the log out of your own eye. Second, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Church, do you you hear what Jesus is saying is foundational to being kingdom builders? It's learning to acknowledge the sin in my life, addressing the sin in my life, being broken by the sin in my life, and then approaching someone else that's a brother, that's a friend, with theirs. So I want to give you a guideline on how how to do this. According to Scripture, how do we then have and live a life according to verse 5? If we, if we put all this together, how do we live a life according to verse 5? How do we examine our lives before we go and examine the lives of someone else? I read an article this week called Judge Not What the Bible Says About Love. And there's four things that he shared that I want to share. One that I want to share uh, that, that comes in differently for me this morning. So how do we do the log removal, okay? How do we do the log removal from our own eye in order to prepare our hearts in order to enter into the difficulties of others? Because this is what you're called to do. It may not sound easy, but this is what you're called to do. I didn't say go judge someone. I didn't say go be critical or directly defensive and negative. That's not what we're seeing here. He's saying, you address this before you address someone else. So four things I want you to see real quick. Be quick to believe innocence. If you've got a brother in Christ, someone that you love, someone that you care about, a friend of yours, a family member, and you believe that there's a behavior, a lifestyle, a sin, a difficulty, be quick to believe innocence. Listen, we live in a world, only, all it takes to ruin somebody's career is 162 characters on Twitter, a picture on Instagram, or a post on Facebook. Done. All it takes to start to demise someone's marriage is someone reposting something about somebody else that's untrue. So before we declare guilt, we must believe and step into innocence first. Wanting and desiring, not ignoring, wanting and desiring there to be reconciliation and for this sin to not be the case. At times it will be. But we've got to go in, be quick to believe innocence, but also we've got to be thorough before announcing guilt. Again, before we take the tweezers out to do surgery on the life of someone else, we've got to carefully investigate and determine the validity of the actions, the attitude, the heart, the outward expressions, the inward moments, the conversations, and put all those things together before we address the other person. 1 Corinthians 13, you guys can say this out loud, it is known as the what chapter? You hear it most where? Guess what it was not designed for? Yeah, sorry if that was your passage for your wedding. It's good. It's all right because you're a believer sharing that with another believer. But Paul was writing this to churchgoers and saying, love has these characteristics. And one of the characteristics of love is love believes things. Love believes the heart of the other person. Be thorough before announcing and pronouncing guilt. When Jesus confronted the woman at the well, now he had the advantage. He knows all, can see all, right? And so he goes to the woman at the well. He confronts her with her sin and gives her the direction to go next. 
He dealt with the current situation, the brokenness in her life. He went to her when she was, would be alone. He went to her so that he could confront her privately, not publicly. He could have walked into town that day in the middle of the morning when everybody is hustling, bustling, going different places, knocked on her door, had her come outside with a group of people following and said, hey, this guy, this lady, she is nothing but trouble. This is her fifth, sixth relationship and this one's not her, this one's not her husband. Everybody, she's guilty. Get her out of town. No, he meets her out of town. He meets her where the women would have come, and she comes at a different time. He met her in her brokenness. He confronted her, and he knew the things before he pronounced guilt. But one of the things that we've got to do, this one's not on the screen this morning, before we go speck removing, we've got to gain the facts. We've got to have the right heart, and we've got to be broken. We've got to be broken by our sin, before we address the other sin. We've got to be broken that Jesus Christ's body was broken and bled for my sinfulness first and foremost before I launch into a campaign of the sinfulness of someone else. We've got to be broken by our sin before we approach someone about theirs. The other thing he says we've got to do, and I love this, he says we've got to keep quiet. If you're made aware of problems, if you're made aware of pain, if you're made aware of a sinful decision in the life of somebody else, even the lifestyle of sin that you know and you care about, then don't take to social media to pronounce it. Don't go to a family gathering and say, oh, by the way, did you know? Don't go to their workplace or in a work setting or in a public setting Praise in public, critique in private, find that moment, find that opportunity, but until then, keep our mouths shut. The last thing the world needs is the church to be slanderers. The last thing the church needs in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the world to, to view us in many cases as it done, does, and we've given some of the ammo as gossipers or as slanderers or as hypocrites. We can't give the world any more ammunition to be distant from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead, we've got to humbly, quietly process, evaluate, keep quiet, be broken, and go to someone we love and share. And we've got to aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So our desire, not for judgment, for looking down on someone, but our desire for biblical, biblically taking the log out of our eye, confronting someone with a speck in their eye, our desire is redemption. It's not revenge. Our, our goal is to remain in fellowship with them, not to push them out of community. Our desire is brokenness that leads to repentance, and it delivers freedom. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Jesus says, you hypocrites. 
First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It would have been so easy for us if Matthew chapter 7 was one verse and it was one verse only and it was judge not lest you be judged. Who are you to judge me? It would have been easy if it went walk through verse 4, right? You got the log in your eye, got the speck in mine, or maybe it's vice versa, or maybe it's both and, so let's just don't worry about it, let's keep on living. It would have been easy if Jesus would have stopped there, but he goes to verse 5 to help us effectively share the gospel of Jesus Christ to be kingdom builders. And what does he address? He addresses us being broken by our sin, unwilling to overlook sin, unwilling to over- underlook Overlook those attitudes that bring brokenness. And our goal is restoration. Our goal is rescue. So what that requires of all of us is a couple things. At some point in this life, you might be the person with just the speck in your eye. Woo! Thanks, Pastor. I just got a little one. I got a little thing going on. It's going to require you to have a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ that can approach you and help you remove it. Uh, I kind of like it. I've kind of gotten used to it. Then there's going to be other times where you are going to be the one with the log in your eye and you know something's going on in someone's life, so you need to do some surgery, remove some things spiritually in your heart before you address the other person. So I want to ask you to, I'm going to force you to do something this morning, all right? I'm going to ask you to work really hard to examine yourself. I'm going to present three categories, the titles of which I didn't come up with. Um, They're they're not from me. I want to be transparent. They are from Andy Stanley. Um, So I want to make sure I I quote where quoting needs to be done. But, But I want to present to you three categories of people. And I want you to allow yourself this morning to sink into one of these categories of people, at least one. One lady came up to me on my way, walking down the hall. She goes, I'm in all three. I was like, okay, all right. You'll understand in a minute, all right? First group, in dealing with judgment and dealing with the log and the speck, there are those of us who are self-righteous. We size people up and we write them off. We size people up and we write them off. At times in life, I have done this. At times in life, I will do this. It's sinful but it will happen. Jesus spoke bluntly about this, not just in this passage. Almost every time he's speaking to the Pharisees, what's he addressing? Their outward appearance, their outward expression, their outward display of their faith. And he says, no, it's inside. Quit being self-righteous. Quit summarizing people and say, well, they don't quite get it, and I get it, so their marriage is not like, so... They don't drive what I drive, so. Jesus knew that in order to lead people into his kingdom, that he had to serve first. And what did he do? He, the Holy One of eternity, stepped into earth and became a servant. Not self-righteous. If anybody had the authority to look down upon all of us and point the finger and say, you are a sinner, It was Jesus, but instead he came, he served, he loved, he died, he rose again, he conquered sin and death. Self-righteous, we size people up and we write them up, we write them off. 
a little self-diagnosis for yourself right now. Um, if you're offended that I'm asking you to examine if you're self-righteous, there might be a possibility that this is you. It, it might be. You might go, oh, I can't believe you're talking about this in church. I struggle with this. The further I am from God's word, the further I am from relationship with other believers, the more I become self-righteous. The more I step away from conviction, the more I step away from my relationship to the Lord, the more I become the best judge and jury there is. Because you know what? It's, self-righteousness keeps us at a distance, doesn't it? Self-righteousness allows me, allows us to live in sin even though we're not going to come down on somebody else, we're not going to confront them, we're not going to walk in their lives, but if I could just stay at a distance, I'll just stay there. The solution? Repent. Repent to God. Repent to God who will forgive you. And I know this is heavy, heavy, heavy teaching from Matthew chapter 5 through 7 from these words on the hill. I get it. I know it. But I want you to hear the weight of this, but also rejoice in the fact that there is repentance, there is forgiveness. And so if that's you and that's me, and we summarize and put our category and we say, yeah, that's me. I'm self-righteous. No, there's a God who is waiting for you to ask for forgiveness. Confess your sins, scripture says to the Lord, often, publicly, privately, and he will forgive you. So see the joy, the restoration that can come through this, even as we're recognizing this judgmental spirit in ourselves. God, forgive me for judging others while I allow myself freedom to keep on sinning. The second group in the room, you're like, whew, I missed that one. Self-absorbed. You size people up and you walk away. Your motto might be, it's none of my business. What happened in my family 20 years ago is none of my business. What happened at Thanksgiving is none of my business. What happened with that coworker is none of my business. What happened with that issue with my spouse, it's none of your business. So I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to distance myself. I'm going to stay on the sideline and watch. This is not biblical. This is not Matthew 7, 1 through 5 teaching. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs 27. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see that? The Bible is saying, listen, those who love you, those who care about you, those who are friends with you, when they come to you with difficulties that may wound you, it's, it's out of faithfulness. It's out of love. You guys ever gone across the railroad tracks in big old T. Vegas, Thomasville, anybody? You know what I'm talking about at the big chair? You know, if you live here, you spend like 4.7 years of your life at that red light. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right there, at that red light. Pretend with me for a moment. It, it's dusk, sun's setting, the cautions are down. The guy in front of you decides to go around the caution thing, and he knows the light's about to turn green on the other side, so he's, just, he's anticipating he's just going to skirt it and keep on going. Sitting on the tracks, windows down, radios blaring, having a good time, a couple of friends, just enjoying themselves. And you can see from your, you're about to turn right, you can look down and see coming from High Point, you can see a train. Now you better hope it's not an Amtrak because you got no time, all right? It's a slow moving train and it's coming your way. And you realize this, this car, they're not moving. They're not budging. They're just dancing, they're enjoying themselves. And in this moment, you have 
a choice. Do you stay self-righteous and say, man, look at those idiots. Or do you respond? You start blowing the horn. You start going, hey, man, you're rolling your window. Man, do you see the train coming? And, and uh, so people around you, you can tell they're nervous and they're, you're, you're trying to figure out. And you might have enough time in this situation to jump out of the car, to start yelling at him, to come screaming at him, hit the side of his car, take off and say, man, get off the tracks. You are about to die. This is not going to turn out well for you. I don't know anybody in this room that would not try to do something. It may not be the same. We may not have the same amount of time. We may not have the same efforts. But we do something. But in relationships, we see people sitting in their cars spiritually. And they're not sitting on railroad tracks. But they're in a relationship outside their marriage. They're in a texting relationship that's not pursuing their spouse. You see them spending as you could never imagine spending. You see them addicted to a behavior, to a substance, and they're sitting on the tracks of life, and they're just enjoying life. If we're self-absorbed, then we sit back and we just go, well, I got my own problems. It's not my, it is your business. You hear me? It is your business lovingly, gracefully, compassionately, sense, with sensitivity, with privacy. It is your issue to step out of the car, to step into their lives and say, I am watching you from a distance and I'm so broken. And you don't see it, you may not acknowledge it, but there is a massive wreck about to happen in your life. And I love you and you may be offended and you may not like me. But there is a wreck coming, and i got to tell you, you got to get out of the way. So there's a solution. If we're self-absorbed, if we've found incomplete teaching in 7, 1 through 4, and we've jumped to that, and we just said, man, I'm not judging anybody. i got my own problems. they got their own. If you want to step into biblical, a, a biblical role, then compassionately confront. Compassionately confront. Some of you know who you need to talk to right now. Your heart's not ready to. You're not spiritually ready to. You haven't examined Scripture yet on the issue. But some of you know who you need to talk to. Some of you are watching, and you're watching their life go by, and you're watching disaster after disaster after disaster, and you're watching it take place. There's one more group. The self-inflicting. You've been confronted, but you refuse to listen. Someone that you know, someone that you love, someone that you care, not a stranger, not somebody that you've been distant from for 20 years, somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that's a part of your life came to you and addressed an issue with you and you responded with, who do they think they are? Who, who died and made them God? There's a good one. Well, nobody died and made them God, but somebody died for their sins and yours and made them responsible to you as a fellow believer in Jesus. That did happen. Some of you need to turn your ears on and you need to listen this morning. It's heavy, but there's a beautiful response here. There's a solution. Turn your ears on, listen. 
Years ago, I was sitting in the office. My office used to be the first door on the right as you walked through the, the double sets of green doors going to the other building before this building was here. And I'd been here about nine months, and one of the uh, deacons, one of the guys in church um, that I, I knew sort of well, I'd only been here nine months, he came in my office, he sat down across from me, and he looked at me and he said, you are so good working with students, but you are terrible working with adults. And then he got up and walked out. Man, I was so mad. I could spit nails. I mean, right now, if I just sit myself on that moment, I could still be in that moment. So I got out, got out, went in my car, drove home. And man, me and the Lord, we figured out what this guy was doing wrong on the way home, right? I mean, me and the Lord had it all figured out and this guy was wrong and God convicted him. I'm so glad text messaging wasn't available because I'd have said something really dumb, really fast, really angry. Went home, told Emily about it. A couple days later, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm looking at the, the roll sheets from Sunday morning and I looked down and I went, um, and I started counting, and I started nine months earlier with 19 youth workers, and I was down to six. Somebody need to listen. Somebody need to turn their ears on. Because somebody came to you out of love and care and compassion for you, for the church, for the ministry, for your love, for the people, and confronted you on something, so turn their ears on. Back to the car on the tracks. Some of you are in the car spiritually. You are in the relationship. You are outside of a daily desire and pleasing to the Lord. You're making mistake after mistake. People have been coming to you. They've been coming to you and say, listen, do, do you not see how this is harming you? Do you not see what this people that love you, people that have invested you, people that have spent their lives pouring into you, and you're just turning up the radio going, man, I think it's moving slow enough. I don't think it'll ever hit. It will hit. It will come. It's time to listen. The solution, listen to those who love you. So here's what we're going to do. On the screen, you've got three choices. There's no fourth. It's not multiple choice, all right? I want you to think as you're sitting here, which one, maybe more, which one of these three are you currently struggling with? I told you, in, in May, that Matthew 5 through 7 is going to mess us up, right? I told you it's going to get underneath all of our skin. And this is one of those moments. Self-righteous, you won't repent. Self-absorbed, you won't confront. Self-inflicting, you won't listen. And so on the next screen, there's just, just, just three little phrases here. I am self-righteous. I am self-absorbed. I am self-inflicting. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not even going to make you say it out loud. Here's what I want you to do. In your mind... I want you to confess to the Lord in your heart and your mind. I'm self-righteous, I'm self-absorbed, I'm self-inflicting one, all. Now let me, before we do this, this is just mental exercise, all right? Before we do this, this is not the time to lean over to somebody you love and go, I know which one you are. <laughs> okay? And it's not the time to get in your car on the way home. If you're married, it's not the thing. Get in your car away and go, honey, which one were you? And they tell you and go, oh, no, that's not you at all, says self-righteous number one, all right? So be, be careful here this morning. I really want this to be between you and the Lord. I really want this to be between you and the Lord. Handle this different in all three services. So I, I really want this to be between you and the Lord. So on the count of three, mentally, not out loud, not nudging your neighbor, not pointing to it for them, 
mentally between you and the Lord, I want you to acknowledge which one's you. Right? Mentally, on the count of three. One, two, three. So now let's remind ourselves of the solutions. I must repent. I must confront. I must listen. Same thing, mentally, not out loud. Mentally, just confess to the Lord. God, I'm self-absorbed. I need to confront. I, I'm self-inflicting. I'm not listening. I listen. I am self-righteous. I must repent. Count of three, in your mind, between you and the Lord, share that with him. Ready? One, two, three.